What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to episode 1,218 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen to a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you, and today we're talking with Ling Ya Wang, who is the host of So This Is My Why. This is actually a podcast that has some really amazing guests, I mean, big-time celebrities on the show. We're gonna talk about them in a little bit, but Ling approached me today with a question and conversation about, well, how do I best leverage these big names that are coming on my show, and you might have a big guest that comes on your show or on your YouTube channel or that you might write about on your blog at some point, and the trick is doing it authentically. I mean, there is a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things, of course, and Ling wants to know how to do this in the right way, where not only can we potentially use the guest to be able to grow the show in a way where maybe they share it, but to do it in a way that is organic and it makes sense and is a win for everybody, but also, How do we actually use those names to grow our show further by name dropping and those kinds of things? How do we hype up our podcast episodes knowing that these guests are coming and doing it again authentically? So that's what we're going to talk about today because doing authentic things is exactly what we want to do, especially as we're growing where that's often where people fall off. So here she is, Ling Ya Wong, who you can find hosting the podcast. So this is my why. Hey, Ling, welcome to Ask Pat 2.0. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Pat. Tell me about yourself and what you do, and we'll go from there. I'm actually a lawyer and based in Malaysia, but I just happen to run this podcast, so this is my why on this side. And it's basically where I interview inspiring people about how they found their why and how they turn into reality. So it's a wide range of people. It's Olympians, it's Michelin star chefs, it's entrepreneurs like Austin Elrod of Lambda School, it's VCs, it's pretty much anyone, everyone. And I've got a general that I'm interviewing this Saturday. So very wide range. What's the name of the show again? So This Is My Why. This Is My Why. How does a lawyer get an idea to start a podcast about something that is not about being a lawyer? Well, I suppose because I fell into law because people were telling me, if you like English, you should just do law. And I just never questioned that. And I did it for almost a decade. And I thought, wait a minute, this is actually my purpose in life. Maybe there's something else out there as opposed to that quarter life crisis. And that's the point where I discovered your podcast and you were talking about all these inspiring people make, crafting their own path. And I thought, maybe I should start doing it. And somehow that narrative changed from maybe I should start a podcast to I need to start a podcast. And what better thing to do than finding my why. Amazing. And what has been your favorite interview that you've done so far? My favorite is probably Nick Bernstein. He's James Corden's boss. And the reason is my favorite is because after I did a three-hour interview with him, which was exceptionally long, wow. he then went on the Late Late Show with James Corden the following Monday when James was asking, so what do you guys do last weekend? He said, I did this three-hour interview with this Malaysian. And so then James and everyone just went, oh, you better hope this girl doesn't release your podcast before we break for summer because that's two episodes off the back of it. And they really talked about it for two episodes wow. and more. So it's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so yeah. amazing. So uh, tell me about the maybe challenges that you're having right now. What can I help you with? What's on your mind? Yeah. So the challenge is basically I've had big guests like Nick and other people as well who are quite well known like Guy Kawasaki or Esther Wojcicki, who's Susan Wojcicki's mother. And I've realized I think I've never been able to leverage on these big name guests And I know it's not just about the number of social media followings, but at the same time, I feel so there must be something more because I have upcoming guests who are actually pretty big. 
And I would love to know if there is some kind of strategy I can come up with to make sure I fully optimize the fact that I have these people on. Uh, great question. Before we get into that, I'm sure the audience is curious. How are you landing or even reaching out to these big guests? I just call email them. I mean, I would say 1995. Cold email? Yes. <laughs> and it's working? It's really honestly working. Cold emails, cold DMs. What are you saying in these emails? Like, that, it must be some magic copywriting or something. Like, how, what's your secret? I think it must be because there is always a section in right where I say, these are the kind of things I would like to talk about. And it's not just the that kind of things you can find on Wikipedia. I actually spent quite a bit of time researching it. And I remember there was one person, he's the co-founder of Udemy, and he's going to come on. And he specifically wrote back to me and he said, it's so rare to get such a thoughtful cold email pitch. And I would love to be on your podcast. So I think that really helps so much. I mean, that is a secret, it seems. It's doing the research. And I like that because, you know, I get pitches all the time to have me come on people's shows. And it's true. It's the ones that are different, the ones that you can tell the person knows about you and knows what you've done before and wants to bring something different that'll stand out and get me to say yes often. So I, I appreciate you sharing that insight. So the question being, okay, we have big guests coming on your podcast. How do we best leverage that? How do we make the most of it, right? You know, and there's different parts of the spectrum of that, right? There's how do we, you know, on the on the maybe more negative or bad side, it's like, how do we use these names to make as much money as possible, right? Like that's what maybe leverage might mean to some people versus what I'm imagining, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're wondering how do we reach more people? How do we get more people to listen to these podcasts? Tell me where on the spectrum you are as far as what does leverage mean to you? So leverage at this point is definitely getting more guests. And it's because I feel as though you need to have the guests in order to even monetize. So I would love to monetize, but I think I'm at that point where I still just want to increase that reach so that I'm worthwhile to people who might want to sponsor advertise on the podcast. Awesome. So you can have the best of both worlds, actually, if, if it were to you know work out. So there's a few things that you can do. The benefit of having amazing guests is that people can just immediately with a name get very excited about the podcast. And if it's your listeners, you can tell them about the guests that are coming in the future so they can get excited about it. It's almost like a concert. Hey, on stage next week, we have so-and-so and we talk about this and this and you're not gonna wanna miss it. And that name alone plus the topics of interest could combine for a lot of chatter and conversation and sharing and word of mouth even before the podcast episode comes out. Are you doing a lot of like pre-release marketing for upcoming episodes? I do this little snippets on IG stories and I'll say, hey, guess what? This guest is coming and these are the main tips. And do you have any questions you want me to ask them? I also have a newsletter and I just put these names up and I say, if you have any questions, let me know. But I would say that's pretty much it. And the main promo comes after the interview is done. And so the entire week, I will be releasing one to two minutes worth of snippets and it's video as well. So across all social media platforms to promote. Okay. That's actually not too bad is, is, you know, a lot of people don't do any pre-marketing and then they go out and then they just focus on, uh, well, actually most people just put a podcast out and just kind of cross their fingers and hope. So it sounds like you're doing a lot to promote the episodes that are coming out. Number two, and this is a big lesson, it's just keep going, right? You might not be yet at that inflection point where something happens and then boom, it just skyrockets. I remember when Lewis House from the School of Greatness, he has a lot of big guests on his podcast as well. And he started out and it wasn't like a super slow start, but it wasn't fast either. But he just kept going and he stayed consistent. And then over time, with the bigger guests that have been coming on, it just started to stack on each other. And then all of a sudden, like even in the last two years, and he's been doing this for a while, it just kind of skyrocketed and exploded. And he has his own studio now and he's got, 
even bigger guests coming on and there's a lot more money coming in. And it's because he's just continued to lean into the value that he know he's able to provide. He's creating a lot of experiences on top of the podcast. He had his event in Ohio and he has other ways to get in contact with him. And I'm not sure if he does this, but I know some podcasts who even allow for some exclusive content for more fans or maybe patrons, if you will. Um, so there's a lot of ways to, even beyond the podcast, create an experience that get people to talk about the podcast more and share it more. But uh, you know, again, the second lesson here is just keep going, keep staying consistent and keep trying to have fun with it because that's what will allow you to get through even the tough parts is like, and I'm sure the conversations are amazing, right? Like they're probably really inspiring and then get you excited about the next one, right? Well, they definitely inspire me. I hope it inspires other people for sure. So you're still encouraged to keep going. You're still gonna yeah. stay consistent, right? Okay, yeah. good. The third thing is, and this is, and, and you might be great at this because you're already great at sending these emails and reaching out, but as far as like getting other guests to come on the show, you know, using the cloud of the names that you've had prior to mention, hey, you know, you will be in the likes of this person and this person, you know, when you mention like a Michelin chef that immediately perks people's minds up and goes, wow, okay, this podcast is different and this person is able to reach these people who other people probably wouldn't normally have been able to reach. This is how John Lee Dumas got really famous in the podcasting space because he had guests on and he would name drop and have other bigger guests come on. And through that, he himself gained authority through that association. When you start to see a person's catalog and you start to go, wow, look at the caliber of guests that are on here, you immediately can paint a picture about the host and then the quality of the show from that. And again, that will continue to increase over time. But how much are you using your back catalog to hopefully and perhaps entice those who are coming or those who you want to reach out to? Always. So I have a particular format in my email where it's an introduction, why I'm writing to you, this is what we're going to talk about, and one whole section on these are the past guests. So I always change it depending on who I'm pitching to. So if it's a VC person, then it's all startups, VCs, artists, then it's more, you know, Hollywood star actresses and all these kind of people they would likely recognize. So I have had one guest come on and say, the reason I said yes is because I did check you out and I also like the caliber of your guests. So I felt I would be safe in your hands. Perfect. Okay, so you already have that nailed down. I can tell there's a lot of your lawyer experience inside of your emails and in your arguments, if you want to call it that, which is really fantastic. So where else are you feeling that you might be lackluster and sort of as far as leverage is concerned, because you are hitting all the, the notes that are usual. Are there any ideas that you've had that maybe you were reluctant about or scared about maybe trying? It's not so much trying. It's more the question of how do I get people to actually engage? Because it's one thing to have numbers, right? Now that to actually have people respond. So I have people following Instagram when I ask, can you give me, say, questions I could ask the guests? Or when I send a newsletter out and I say, hey, I would love to get guests that you would be interested in listening to. I don't actually get a response. And I don't know how to encourage that. I see. Okay, so we want engagement from the audience, yeah. right? We're not having a problem with getting bigger guests on the show. We want to have the audience engage. Well, number one, from podcast specifically, if you look at all the platforms, podcasts, YouTube, blog, et cetera, podcast is the one that has the least amount of engagement just in general, right? So just keep that expectation in mind. And when we think about that, it's because imagine where a person's listening. They're listening at the gym or in the car or maybe even uh, they've downloaded your episode ahead of time and they're on travel listening to it. And so they don't actually have the capability right then and there while listening, which is the point at which you want them to, to engage, because that's when they're the most warm, right? They're listening and then you have a call to action in your episodes. 
and then they have to wait till they land or till they get home and then they might forget about it or whatnot. So that is going to be the challenge. And the biggest way that many people are communicating with their audiences is through, there's two means. Number one is email. And it sounds like you have an email list already, which is great. Those are going to be your higher level fans, the most engaged people. And through one-to-one connections, you're perhaps able to get a lot more response because it feels a little bit more private. A lot of times people don't like to respond you know, some people will, but many people don't respond to questions from a host or from an authority publicly because they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to be first or they don't want to have that be out there. Maybe they have a question and that reflects on who they are and they don't want that necessarily to be out there for everybody, right? Hey, I suffer from depression. I think this person would be a great guest. Well, they're not going to say that out loud, but they might say that privately to a host that they trust. And so that's where email can come in. And I think that one way to help engagement is for you to take the lead. So for example, if you are asking people to talk about the topics that they're interested in perhaps covering on the show and perhaps guests that align with that, if you can take the lead first and say, well, here are some of the topics that I want to have covered on the show and I'm not sure which guests would be proper, but here are the topics because in my, and you start to get vulnerable a little bit, tell a little bit of a story. You know, in my life, this happened and I was, I didn't know where to go and I haven't really found a mentor or somebody to help me with that. Do any of you know somebody who can help or have any guests in mind for that? And that way, because you open up, they're going to open up a little bit more too, right? They almost kind of trust you even more now because you've opened up and then they're going to probably want to help you too and and do it from a, a place of helping you, not oh, I'm trying to help fill in the back catalog for this podcast. It's, oh, I want to help, I want to help Ling out, right? And that's where you can get a lot more engagement when you position the ask in a story versus just, hey, everybody, who do you want to have on the show? It's, hey, Charles, or hey, Jimmy, or hey, Susan, this is what I went through. Do you have any ideas on who might be able to come on and help? Or is there anybody in your life that you think might be inspiring to bring on? Does that make sense as far as like the the positioning of it? Yeah, so it sounds like maybe using an email but directing it personally to the person will encourage exactly. a response. Yeah. Exactly. So like, hey, name versus like, hey, everybody, I'm looking for guests for the show. It's like, it feels more personal and it feels more, feels like, a better reason to reply, right, in, in that case. And, you know, you don't need even a huge percentage of those people to reply to provide a lot of value to the show and, and the future of it. The other way that a lot of podcasters specifically are communicating with their audiences to bring people into a community of some kind. And traditionally, it's been like a Facebook group because that's easy and that's where everybody was. But a lot of people aren't really so jazzed about Facebook groups right now, although they still work. I know a lot of people who are creating circle communities free ones that people can get access to or even paid ones. And and the paid ones are interesting because, you know, those people like Patreon are supporting you and your work, but they also get access to you that others wouldn't. And because they're paying and because they're in this community, and even if they're not paying, they still have to sort of take the time to get into this community. You've sort of filtered the people out who may not even be interested in communicating. You know that the people who are in that community are going to be communicative and not only will they have a little bit of access to you and maybe some insider scoop on what's coming and kind of things like that. Maybe they have the ability to influence some of the questions that are asked, but they're also getting to find each other. And that's where it's not just the content, it's now the community that people are coming in for. And that's where engagement happens. Actually, a lot of engagement on our side doesn't happen because we pose questions. It happens because 
other people are posing questions and they, they want to help each other out too. I think that makes sense. Yeah. How do you get people to stop posting their questions? Because I do have a Facebook group. There are like two, 300 people and they don't tend to respond. And I think it's one of those things where you need to get that, get it, get people used to actually posting questions and then everyone will start jumping. But I haven't found that lubricant to get it started. Yeah. You, you, you have to be a little bit structured if you if you will in the facebook if if it's just kind of an open forum it's not as it there's not enough reason to post or even if a question's asked it's like well it's it's you know i'm busy or you know i'll answer that later or it's not that important right now what we do in a lot of facebook groups is we have like at least in the groups that i'm in it's like shout outs saturday so hey it's saturday this is your day to tell me about your business and your thing and then it gives them an opportunity to share what they have going on and it's not even an ask. It's it's a, I want you to show off what you are doing. And so that can begin to start training a community to post and see what it's like and see that it's not scary and, and get used to that. So that later when you do have an ask, not only are they used to doing that, but also Facebook is used to pushing that out, right? The algorithm starts to help because they've seen that they've participated and they've pushed something out already that they're gonna be more likely to see your message later. So a part of it is, they're just not seeing the ask, right? Because it's on Facebook and there's an algorithm and some people are seeing it and some people are not. But if you can start encouraging people to share certain things or you have questions that aren't necessarily an ask where people have to think, but maybe there's an answer, maybe based on certain episodes, you can say, hey, our guest, our Michelin chef, grew up in one of these three places. If you listen to the episode, you know which one it is, which one is it? And then you can kind of quiz them and play a game and it's just, again, A, B, or C. It's a very quick answer. You either know the answer or you don't. And again, that helps with the algorithm. So trying different ways to communicate versus just you asking for things all the time. How about some fun and some engagement or even you asking them to share something versus um, just kind of what's coming up next on the show? Would you say that Facebook is still a popular place for this kind of engagement? Because you mentioned that it's not that popular anymore, right? And but at the same time, Instagram probably has the most number of people, but the conversion rate to podcast listeners is not that great as well. So I wonder what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because honestly, you know, first of all, to your first question, Facebook is still popular. It is still worthwhile if you can build the community and the sort of momentum there. I think that it is based on how you utilize it, not just the platform itself, right? So you could build a community anywhere. And if there's value there, people will show up even if they have to climb a mountain to get there. If it's worth it, they'll do it. So Facebook, I think just a lot of people don't want to be on Facebook or just aren't really enjoying the company anymore. And so they, you know, just in general, some people are pushing away from that. So that's that's really interesting. But what was your second part of the question? Would say Instagram be a great place? You know, people tend to say that the conversion rate to podcast listeners is quite low for a place like Instagram. Thank you. So is Instagram a great place for uh, engagement and communication? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially if that's a main focus of yours. I mean, you can tell. I like Facebook because it's just a more positive place to be generally versus Facebook. And I think that you can also have some interesting one-on-one -on -one conversations with people and do some story surveys, you know, where you ask a question and multiple choice questions there. I mean, you can do a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, but on Instagram, where people are indeed on for longer and they're scrolling and they're trying to find in information that's interesting. So I, th I definitely think it can happen there. But again, I think a lot of the same principles as what I said before do apply. The conversion rates to podcasts are low anywhere outside of, of just general podcast apps. And 
you know, people aren't on Instagram to go find new podcasts. They're on Instagram to find their people and get inspired and get motivated. So I think we have to take a different approach with, well, what does success on Instagram for a podcaster look like? Is success taking people from Instagram, finding new people there, and then putting them onto the podcast? That's a very difficult ask. That's you know, first of all, you have to get in front of the right people. You have to then interrupt them and get them to encourage them to open up a podcast app and then get them to listen. I mean, that's a lot of friction to get there. And I was once told, you know, success for a podcaster on a platform like Instagram is not getting more downloads. It's taking the information that you've collected on your podcast and sharing it on that platform and building your community there. Because some people will, they only live on Instagram. And that's where they're only going to find you and hear about you. And if you can provide value there, you now have like, it almost feels like a second podcast, but it's run through Instagram. And it's just using the same information, but that's for the Instagram people. And if some of them come onto your podcast and listen in full, cool, that's a bonus. But you are providing value to the people who only live on Instagram in the short format that it allows. And then some people who listen to your podcast will come over there and engage and find other people like them too, who like the same information, who are following you and are interested in these amazing celebrities. And some people there will like the short form and some people are podcast listeners on the whole as well. But when you treat Instagram separate from your podcast, not as an engine to build your podcast, but as, a, as that's the community and that's where it lives, then it starts to feel a little better because success is not podcast downloads, it's activation of the people who listen. Those are great questions, by the way. Thank you. I think that's very relevant because a lot of uh, the listeners, not just for podcasters, but the way that we treat Instagram, the way that we define success on the platform, you know, for a while for me, it was like, oh, well, you know, I'm sharing these snippets on Instagram, but nobody's downloading the podcast. And I have to realize that that's okay because that's not why I'm doing it anymore. I'm doing it to encourage those who are there on Instagram who are only going to be on Instagram and still be able to reach them despite them not coming on, onto the, the larger podcast, right? Do you think that the fact, and this is something that a lot of friends were telling me, the fact that you show so much of your personality has allowed your podcast to grow so much? Because I love your intros and it's always a little snippet about yourself that's always slightly different. And it's not something that I do. I just kind of say very briefly, I'm the host and producer and I jump straight into the guest because I think this is all about the guests. I already have so long with them. I don't want to take even more time. But I wonder if I need to start thinking more about sharing who I am as a person. It's always a thing that I encourage people to do. I mean, you don't have to share everything. You don't have to talk about what you had for breakfast every morning. I mean, I think it's important to know that you still want people to go and get what they came for. But at the same time, while doing that, if they can get to know you, the host, they're gonna be that much more connected to you. And of course, I talk about this in my book, Superfans, when you become personable, when you become somebody who is a human, another human will now be able to connect with you. If you're just playing host and you could probably code an, a robot to do the same job as you, right? And that's what allows you to stand out from others as well. And I think that your personality doesn't have to be as purposeful like what I do in my podcast as far as, okay, in the first 10 seconds, I'm gonna share a fun little fact about me. That is working and it has worked and it's been really amazing. People come up to me and they remember certain ones that they can connect with. But you can just be you and step into yourself even during the interview, and you could share bits and pieces of yourself, or maybe at the end of the interview, you have a little story to share about something personal that happened, and that's fine too. You just do it in the way that you feel comfortable and that matches you because your vibe is gonna attract your tribe. But if you're just, again, a robot who's asking questions, then anybody could replace that. And, and that's, you know, you are 
uniquely you. you. Nobody's like you and you might as well use that to your advantage. And I wanted to jump back to the first thing that you mentioned at the start. You asked if I did anything before the release of the interview. And I wonder, because I have big guests coming up, if you think that's really important, I should start thinking about that. So you mentioned James Gordon, right? Does he, when he has his late show, tell you who the guest is right when they come out? Or are they telling you who the guest is, you know, ahead of time? It really depends. I remember for BTS, they told everyone weeks in advance. (laughs) Of course, because why? Because they know that all the BTS fans are going to show up because they're going to want to know what goes on. And and of course, he's not sharing the whole segment, but he's sharing who the guest is and probably snippets, like you said. I think it's I think it's important. I think every once in a while, a surprise like out of nowhere could be really nice. But think about it. You are behind a microphone just like a musician. And if you're a musician, whether it's your music or you're featuring somebody else's music, I mean, what does a musician do when they have a concert? They sell tickets ahead of time and they get people excited about it and they might have a story to tell behind it. And then it all piles up and leads up to this big climax that is the interview or the show or the the music. And it just is this huge ride, right? When you buy a ticket to an event, the event starts right there because a person's already thinking about their favorite song or the band and they're getting ready for it and they're talking to their friends about it. That's the kind of feeling that a podcaster could potentially offer their listener as well. And because you have the benefit and luxury of having these big names on, you could leverage that. And you don't have to feel bad about that too because A, these celebrities probably have that kind of stuff happen all the time. But B, you're positioning them to be even more amazing. You are giving your audience even more reason to come and listen to that person who spent that time with you. So it would almost be a disservice, if you want to think about it that way, to not hype it up and get people excited and get people encouraged to listen. And, you know, yes, if you just say a name, some people automatically are going to come because of the name. But if you tell a story around it, or if you hype it up or talk about topics that are important to people ahead of time, it gets people who may not even be fans of that person to want to come and show up too. So I do think that you could you could do maybe, you know, a little bit more, lean into that more. Have you found a particular way to encourage your guests to share their content? Because I mean, lots of people say, oh, you should ask content that the guests themselves are excited about and want everyone to know. And I've noticed that that works, but that doesn't always work. But when guests would accept, say, a collaboration on Instagram, that really boosts engagement. But other people just don't, no matter what you do. Lewis House talked about this on a podcast earlier this year where he had, I think, Kevin Hart on the show. Big name, big comedian, like biggest comedian in the world, some might argue, right now. And he had him on the show and it like did nothing for growth for his show. And he's so busy and he's sharing all these things about his movies. He just doesn't have time to fit in another promo for a, a podcast episode, even even a big one like Lewis's. And that's okay. Uh, again, people listen in the back catalog and they will see that and that encourages engagement, that encourages authority and it, and it makes you look great. And it becomes just another podcast for people to listen to. But at the same time, there might be that one podcast guest who just falls in love with you and the show and the format and wants to talk about it so much, and they will. And I, I think that you just have to realize that some people are going to share it and some some people won't. And honestly, I think that if you approach it as, I'm going to make this conversation so incredible that this person can't help but want to share it, even if they're a big star, because it's, you know, and that if you approach that, you know, some of them will, you know, I don't even want to say bite because it's not bait. I mean, that's that's what you want to have, right? That's what you, what you want to have happen. So I would just say lean into making it something memorable and shareworthy for them. And, you know, maybe you get a person to like, 
Have you ever seen uh, a guy named Sean? He hosts a, it's not a podcast, but it's a show on YouTube called Hot Ones where they're eating chicken wings oh, yeah. and they get hotter and hotter. Yes. One of the best interviewers because he asks his questions and, and there are celebrities. I would pull a lot of inspiration from him because he does his research. But beyond that, every single time or almost every single time, I hear the guest tell him, wow, I've never been asked that before. That's amazing. Or this is the most fun interview I've ever had. And those celebrities share it. And there is the sort of, gimmick, if you will, of hot wings, and it's kind of funny. But they always comment on how great the interview is, you know, even outside of the wings, and they're likely more encouraged to share it. So if you lean into that as well, I think that could that could do you some good. I think it's quite interesting, because when I first started, I used to edit all those parts out where the guests would say, oh, you did amazing, you did a lot of research. And later when uh. I started putting it in, then I realized that the listeners loved it too, and they latched onto that. Yeah, leave that in for sure. But Ling, this has been amazing. Thank you for the inspiration. It's been really fun to chat. I hope this conversation has helped you and I look forward to seeing how it goes. Oh, thank you so much. I really love this conversation as well. This is super fun. One more time, uh, name of the podcast and where can people find more of you? So the podcast is called So This My Why. You can find it on all social media platforms. It's got a website as well, www.sothismywhy.com. It's got a weekly newsletter. So reach out, love to hear. Awesome. Thank you, Ling. Keep up the great work. You're amazing. And we'll chat soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode and the conversation with Ling, who you can find again at So This Is My Why. Go and check out her podcast. And like you've heard, she's got some amazing guests on the show. And uh, I hope to appear on her show at one point. That'd be amazing. But anyway, thank you so much for listening all the way through. And thank you, Ling, for opening up. And congratulations on your success. And I cannot wait to see where you go from here. So thank you again. I appreciate you all for listening all the way through. If you haven't yet done so, make sure to apply to spipro.com. This is the premium community where you can go to to find other people just like you who understand this language of business and entrepreneurship and who are all there to support each other. We have events, we have challenges, we have asking anythings, we have special guests come in to teach and offer you value and I cannot wait to see you in there. You have to apply though and make sure to apply now because the price will be going up after the next round of people come in. So I want you to come in on the next round before it's too late, go to spipro.com. Thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you there as well as in the next podcast episode. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and I'll see you in the next one. Peace out and again, thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Ask Pat at askpat.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Ask Pat is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while, and that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show, for now at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. 
So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.